0: You may now open your eyes. <laughs> Those who are not very spiritual and have opened already, we can, no. Just, uh, well, we get to continue our series that Allison was talking about on changes where we look at the life of someone in the Bible and, and say, what can we learn from their life to live our life of faith more effectively? And today I want to start with this question. Have you ever been shocked? by something someone said. Just, I mean, shocked, you know? I think most of us have been at one time or another. I mean, uh, I know I have shocked a number of people when I've told them that I've been in prison. And then there have been a whole group of people that don't seem to be shocked by that, and I'm not sure <laughs> what that means, but uh, <laughs> you, you might remember a time when you're thinking to yourself, what, he said that or she said That? I can't believe she said that. And, and this morning, as we look at uh, the scripture, that's that's what I felt as we as I was looking at the scripture. And I thought, wait a minute. What? What? That guy said that you've got to be kidding me. What in the world would he be saying that for? I can't believe he said that. So we're going to be looking at that this morning. And the guy happens to be a guy named John. John, not John the disciple, not John the one that wrote the book of John, the author in first and second and third John, and the one who said, I'm Jesus, Jesus loves me. You know, He wrote that in all of his books, it was John. He didn't say the disciple Jesus loved is how he referred to himself, I love that. But it's not that John, it's John the Baptist that we're going to be looking at this morning. And we're gonna be looking at it from Matthew chapter 11. Those of you who are um, really growing your faith a lot, you might wanna write this uh, scripture down. Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 35. You might want to just write that down a minute because Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 35 cover the same story we're going to look at from a more abbreviated point of view from Matthew's perspective. So we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse number 2. Oh, and before we actually bring this scripture up, I got to tell you something else about what this, because you're going to hear it in just a minute. John's in prison as, he, as this scene opens. And so we've got to ask ourselves a question. How did John the Baptist end up being in prison? And here's how it happened. John was a man who was not afraid of sharing his opinion. He was not afraid of saying, this is right and this is wrong. He was real clear about those things. And so when King Herod started having an affair with his brother's wife, John said, that's wrong and you shouldn't be doing that. And he not only was willing to say it to anybody who wanted to listen, but he was willing to say it to Herod himself. And Herod, since he had the power over John and didn't appreciate John uh, talking about his private life, what he considered his private life that way, he threw John in prison, okay? So that's where we catch up with this in Matthew 11, beginning in verse number two. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, He sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, the two disciples, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Okay, that's our scripture. Now we're going to see unpack this and look at it. Jesus is changing the perspective and expectations of John. John had certain expectations, certain perspectives, and here comes Jesus and he changes those just like he does for us. Jesus changes our perspective and our expectations even of life. At the time that John asks those questions, Jesus' ministry is going. I mean, it is, he's in high ministry mode. He is healing sick people. He is casting out demons. He's even raised dead people. Those of you who are going to read that uh, from Luke's perspective, right before that, Jesus actually raised someone from the dead. So his ministry is just blowing and growing. All kinds of people coming to him, all kinds of people beginning to believe in him. And the middle of that is this, voice speaking out doubt. This cord, this discord of, of question coming in. And by whom? By John? Are you the coming one? Are you the coming one that meant the Messiah, the one that all the scriptures is talking about all through the Old Testament and pointing to? Are you that coming one or, or should we look for another? And John is wondering that as he is in his prison cell. And we stop and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute, John the Baptist said that? John, he he started the Baptist. No, he did not. I'm just kidding about that. He did not start the Baptist denomination. They named themselves after him, though. John the Baptist of all people. Do you remember this? He was was this wild-eyed, eccentric guy who was out from his birth, from his very birth, was called a prophet of the Most High. He was a man's man. He knew how to get by in the wilderness. He wore animal skins and ate bugs. Uh, yeah, ate grasshoppers and stuff like that to survive. So he, this is a guy who's a tough dude. And here he is, and, and, and he would preach, oh, he would preach hard. He would preach. He would tell people what they were doing wrong. And people actually respected him. Everything from soldiers to religious leaders went, there is something about this guy, he's weird. But there is really something about this guy. And he would preach, prepare the way of the Lord. Make your paths straight. Repent, be baptized, he would say. Turn from your sinful ways. And so he would baptize people into remission of sin. In other words, uh, you repent, you ask God to forgive your sins, and I will baptize you so that you can have a relationship with him. He was a guy who was not afraid to act different, to look different, to be different. And here he was, Fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy, Jesus said he fulfilled that by preparing the way for him. The Old Testament said before the Messiah comes, before the coming one comes, the the Messiah, there will be one who will actually prepare the way for him. And they actually quoted what John loved to preach about repenting and turning. So this is that John. Jesus said about him that there was no one born of a woman who is greater than he. That's saying something. I mean, think about all the people in the Bible. Jesus was well aware of them. He knew the history of it. And he's saying, hey, John was a step above all of those guys. John was the one who baptized Jesus. He was the one who recognized him as the Messiah when he's coming. And he says, wait a minute, I need to be baptized by you. I shouldn't be baptizing you. And Jesus said, "No, no, no, you need to do this. So John baptizes him. And when he does, Scripture tells us heaven opened up how it opened up. I'm not sure what that looked like. And they heard a voice thundering, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then a dove descends on Jesus as he's coming up out of the water. Can you get that picture in your head and go, this is crazy. John was there in the middle of that, saw all of it. And and yet he's the guy saying, go, go ask Jesus, are you... The coming one, or, or should we look for another? Wow, how in the world did he get to that place? In John 1, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. So he was identifying Jesus as that Messiah. In verse 34, he said, I have seen and testify that he is the Son of God. So God incarnate. So John this guy who stood up to Herod, who, who told him that he was wrong with Herodias, he's the one who is now questioning who Jesus is and asking that question. Can you, can you just possibly get a little bit of a feeling of the doubt that he's having as he's in prison wondering what's going to happen to his life, ca- uh, causing him to actually question Jesus' identity The doubt, the disappointment, the disillusionment, the despair, the hurt, the confusion that he is having in prison as he's he's hearing these things about Jesus, but he's not out to be able to see them. Are you the one? Are you really the one, Jesus? I mean, things were not going well for him. He was in a hellhole of of prison that was actually on the eastern shore of the Dead Sea, and he'd been there for some time wondering what's going to happen to him. And he's about to find out, because in just a little while, Herod's stepdaughter, Siloam, would be given the opportunity to get anything she would want, and she would ask for his head on a platter, and she'd get it. He would die a martyr's death, his head cut off. So nothing seemed to be happening the way John had hoped or expected. He thought, man, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to change things. He, he saw Jesus coming, and, and the wicked would no longer prosper. The righteous, like himself, would be saved. One word from the Messiah, and he knew that the prison walls could come tumbling down. And certainly the Messiah, who was, by the way, related to him, ostensibly his cousin. Hey, cuz, how about doing something for me here? How about helping me out? How about getting me out of this hole? Are you the coming one? Or should we look for another? And I was thinking about that statement. And you and I. And other people I know. And I was thinking about how we flip on the TV and we see the Ukraine war going on. And the injustices taking taken place. Or, or a big hurt earthquake in Haiti and thousands of people dying. And many people wondering, where is God? Are you the one? Or should we look for another? A woman discovers her husband is having an affair. One thing leads to another, and all of a sudden she finds herself a single mom with two kids. Or she finds herself living in a marriage that's anything but what she envisioned. And she's wondering, Jesus, are you the one? Or should I look for another? An older couple finds out that their pension has been mismanaged, and they won't be able to retire the way they'd always thought and envisioned they would. And they wondered to themselves, Jesus, are you the one? Or should I be looking for another? A young man excited to serve his country and with pride and prayer, his parents send him off only to have him return in a body bag. And they wonder, Jesus, are you the one? or should I be looking for another? The loved one is diagnosed with incurable illnesses, but you hold out hope with the expectation and the prayer of a miracle that God's going to do something to change this, and it doesn't come. And you wonder, question, Jesus, are you the one? Or should I be looking for another? You know, A wonderful thing that this event shows is this, that Jesus does not respond in a negative way to the question. From someone who should know better, from someone who knew him, from someone who prophesied who he was, from someone who identified and knew he was a Savior and now was questioning the same thing. Jesus doesn't respond negatively. He doesn't reprimand John for asking. He's letting us know. He's letting you and I know. It's not uncommon or wrong to ask questions. We get the privilege of asking him questions. It's okay to ask God, what is going on here, God? Would you show me? Sometimes my mind cannot wrap around what is his will. And my my heart has a hard time accepting his plan at times. So I need to ask him, help me to understand what's happening here. Help me to understand why in this case you answered my, re- my prayer request in the way I really wanted to. And in this in this case over here, you did not answer it the way I wanted you to. And Lord, I don't understand what the difference is between why this person you, you miraculously cured of cancer and why this person you took home. I, I don't understand that, Lord. I think I think being honest, we've all had times where we've expected something special in our lives. We've expected God to do something significant for us in, in a way. And then it doesn't come out that way. And, and there is this thing that, that if we we're honest, we might say, it was, we kind of wonder Jesus? Are you the one? Are you the one? So I think, I think we should appreciate where John's coming from when he asked this question. He was understandably confused. He didn't think he would end up alone and in prison. And he had to wonder, why is Jesus letting the Herods of this world get away with murder? Why is he letting an innocent man like me set in prison? Why is he letting my life ostensibly come to an end like this? Jesus, are you the coming one, the Messiah, or should we look for another? But here's the thing that John does so right. And this is what I want to encourage you with today. Jesus, he he goes to Jesus, the word for the answers. He goes to Jesus for the answers. He doesn't go to somebody else. He says to his disciples, I can't go to him myself. I'm going to send you to. Go to him and listen to him. Here's how Jesus responds in verse 4. Again, let's go back. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. So Jesus is describing to John's disciples, look, look, listen and watch and see what's happening here, and go back and report that to John. But he was doing much more than that. There was a secret message inside of what he was saying that was meant specifically for John to understand. Jesus was actually quoting from Isaiah, the 34th chapter and the 61st chapter. Scriptures that John would have known, absolutely, that identified what the Messiah, the coming one, would be doing. And so he's saying, John, remember? I'm now fulfilling those things. Jesus changes our perspective and our expectations. He says, John, I'm fulfilling the Messianic prophecy. Do you see this? And so I just want to encourage you, when we have those questions, and you will, if you're a new believer and you haven't had them yet, hang around a little while. You'll have them. And you'll start wondering what in the world is going on. It's okay to have those questions. As long as you go to Jesus for the answers and say, Lord, show me what this is. Show me what this is. I I, I don't understand this. And I love the fact that it says to go to Jesus, the word for the answers, because you see, Jesus is called by John. Now, not not John the Baptist, John, the author in the book of John. Jesus is called the word. And other times they called Jesus the word. What do we call this? The Word the Bible is the Word of God, the Bible is the Word, so we go to the Word Jesus, and we go to the Word, the scripture to get the answers and it works this way, Lord, would you show me would you show me what the answer is to this question I have with what 's going on here i don 't get why why this and not that and and, and here's the thing I, I remember um or fairly early on in my faith, when I really started asking Jesus these questions and he was answering in ways that, I mean, he would just impress stuff on my mind or I'd be having this question, I would be asking him about it and then I'd be talking to somebody and sure enough, they would have the answer for the question. It was a cool thing. And, and, and I, so I just kept going to Jesus, asking questions and he was answering and responding. And then, and then one day I had this question, I came to him, I said, Lord, what's the answer to this? I'm wondering about this. And I could, and it was like nothing, 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 nothing. And I remember going, I was getting frustrated. And I, and I thought, well, he's always seemed to have answered before. He's not answering now. What's going on here? And so I just said, Lord, what, what, what's going on? I, I'm not hearing you. Why am I not hearing you? I keep asking you this question, and it feels like you're stonewalling me. And all of a sudden, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on my mind. He said, because I've already told you. And I thought, I don't remember you telling me. I don't remember you telling me. Oh no! I've already told you. You just don't want to look where I've told you. Why would I tell you when I already told you? It's in my words. It's in the Scripture. And and he was essentially telling me, I'm tired of you coming to get the shortcut and me having to tell you again and again. I put the answers in there. Go read it and find them, and I'll show them to you. So we go to Jesus, the Word, and we say, Lord, help me with this. Show me this. And we go to his word and say, or show me here. Because if you've already told me, you just need to show me where. And And I can step into that and I can live that. So Jesus is saying to John, would you look at my track record? Look at the people I've helped and healed. Look at the people whose lives have been changed for the better, John. And remember what scriptures this fulfills. It's in that word as well. Jesus is the one that changes our perspective and expectations. The greatest evidence that Jesus is who he says he is comes from the changed lives of his followers. It's the greatest evidence that he is who he said he is, is when you look at people who have sincerely realized what Jesus has done for them and said, I wanna now serve you, I wanna live for you, and you watch their lives. And it's their changed lives that get people to go, oh my goodness. Something is really different with this person. It this happened just recently where somebody said, have you noticed what's happened to Bill lately? What happened to that guy? Ah, I could tell you what happened to that guy, but better you ask that guy what just happened to him. And, and then you'll see as he talks about how Jesus has changed his life, his perspective, and his expectations. This the, Today, I could call people up here right now, and I know I don't know all of you at all, but I know a number of you, and I know that I can call people up here who used to be alcoholic, who used to wallow in depression, who used to be addicted to drugs or pornography, who used to be in prison, who used to be living for themselves, and they've entered this relationship with Jesus, and it has changed who they are. And they're an example a picture of that. Here was a thing that was happening to John. John was looking for a Messiah that he thought would be uh, political that he thought would take over right now and right the wrongs. And in, in, in Jesus came and said, no, no, I'm doing it. I'm not talking about a political kingdom here. I'm talking about a heavenly kingdom. And that's my mission is to get people prepared for an eternity, not just for a temporal life that seems to be more balanced and okay. So Jesus was not the Messiah that John the Baptist expected. The truth of the matter is he was a better Messiah with a bigger picture in mind than John the Baptist expected. And by the way, when things do not happen the way I think they should, or sometimes you and I both think they should because it seems right, often God's got a different plan and he's looking at it from a different perspective. He has this incredible advantage over us. He can see it from outside of time. And we cannot. And so sometimes he says, no, 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 you think this is what's right because you're living in this But I see this from back here and I see all of it. And so I'm not going to answer your request for this because what's better is what comes from this view of all of it. Can you trust me with that? Can you trust me with that? And then he concludes his message to John by saying, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The Greek word for offended there is scandalon, so so you could, which is a more literal translation, would be blessed is anyone who is not scandalized by me. Or if you like uh, the way the old Greeks viewed that word, they viewed it like a like a stumbling block. So blessed is anyone who does not stumble or get tripped up on me. So so I would suggest this: don't stumble because Jesus does things differently than you expect. So easy for us to do, to get frustrated, to kind of miss out because it hasn't happened like we thought it should. But Jesus is saying, blessed is the one who doesn't stumble because of their misconceptions of who I am. Or blessed is the one who accepts me for who I am, even if they don't understand everything that happens in the world. Jesus was not carrying out his ministry the way John thought the Messiah would. And that's what brought him to ask the question, Jesus, are you the one? Or should we look for someone else? John's ministry focused on judgment. God's going to come and judge you, and man, you better repent. You've heard uh, you know, some people, you call it turn and burn. Pre- preaching is what we call it, right? You better turn, you're going to burn, man. You're going to burn in hell if you don't turn. You know, And, uh, and then Jesus comes, and he's offering grace and mercy. He said, oh no, God's a God. Yes, God is a God of judgment and you better pay attention. He's a God of judgment. But he's coming with mercy and grace and he'll receive you to himself and he'll take care of all the sins that you've had. Oh, what a a scandalous thing to be preaching. You have an opportunity to have all of those things dealt with. Which kind of brings up an important question for us. What kind of Christ do you expect? Hmm. What do you think he looks like? Is he a liberator or is he the stern judge? Is he a distant, untouchable, divine son of God or is he a personal, intimate savior? I can just tell you this. If, if he is that, that distant, divine thing that's out there somewhere for you, I, I, I pray that you would be able to find him in another way. And the reason I do is because it's so hard To just go, okay, I know you're God. I know you're God. So I'm going to be good with the fact that you're out. But when he says, no, no, I want to speak to you. I want you to know how much I love you. I know everything about you. I created you. I know you better than you know you. So don't try to hide you from me. Because I made you. Just come to me and speak to me and talk to me. He wants that kind of an intimate, deep relationship with you. And the only thing that's keeping you from having it, if you don't have that today, is your desire to go get it. Is you taking the time to say, Lord, I've got to be with you. I need to hear you speaking to me. Uh, This is so important to me. I don't want any other relationship to be more important because if I can get that right with you, I'll be better in every relationship that I have. With that being first in my relationships, every other one will be better because of it. Sometimes we form these ideas about Jesus that are not true. And sometimes we, we, we view him as our personal wish grantor. I'll talk to you, Jesus, because I want, because I need. Uh, I'll talk to you, Jesus, because we really would like a better house. I'll talk to you, Jesus, because I really do need a new car. I'll talk to you, Jesus, because I hope you're going to bless my business or bless my job or bless my family or help me with this or help me with that. That kind of image of Christ, friends, is, listen, it's dangerous. Because it, it, what happens is, if he doesn't grant our wishes the way we think he should, then we begin to do this with him. Well, I, I, why, why, you're not doing what I want you to do. And he's saying, would you, just, would you just love me for what I've done? Would you love me for what I've already done from you? The fact that I've already, I have paid the price, Jesus is saying to you and I, he's paid the price for our sins. If that isn't enough by itself, I have no idea what would be. So would you love me for that? And then let me speak to you about the other issues that I will direct you, I'll guide you, I will teach you, I'll protect you, I'll love you. I'll even walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you personally because I love you. Because I want to have that kind of an intimate relationship with you. So Jesus is saying to John, he sends back this message. He's basically saying, John, hold on to your faith. Don't stumble just because I'm not what you expected. And I would encourage you with that today. Hold on to your faith. Go deeper with him. Don't stumble because he may not be what you expected. If he hasn't done that for you, if he's been what, if he's reacted in ways that, that you're going, I didn't expect that, and it makes me a little bit nervous. It makes me uneasy. I'm not sure if I can trust stepping deeper into this relationship with him. I want you to understand something. The issue is always between you and Jesus. It's not other people. You don't have to worry about that. It's The issue is between you and Jesus, do you think of him as demanding and overbearing, full of those thou shalt not do's? If you do so, you need, you need a new expectation, a new perspective of him, because Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light that's what jesus says about himself or maybe you think that he's kind of distant and unconcerned with what happens to you if so you need a new perspective an expectation of jesus because jesus says in matthew 28:20 20, i am with you always i am with you always. That means you individually. That means you as a person. That means you separate from your spouse, separate from your friends, separate from anybody else. He's saying, I am with you always. But not if you don't let him be. Not if you don't ask him to be. He will not force himself upon you. Maybe you think, of Jesus as someone who's supposed to make life easier, things go the way you want them to. If so, you need to change your perspective and your expectations because Jesus himself said this in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. Some of the translations are tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Gang, listen to me. Jesus is nothing if he's not honest he is so straightforward he is so straightforward so when people tell you well you know if you become a christian you won't have any problem with these things anymore <laughs> yeah that's not what jesus says go to go to the word Look in his word. See what he says. He says, "No, it's common. Everybody's going to have trouble. Everybody's going to have tribulations. The only difference is if you've got an intimate personal relationship with me, I'll go through them with you. You'll learn to love me more in the process of walking through them. And if you think that Jesus is just a teacher and nothing more, boy, you need to have a changed perspective and expectations because Jesus says in Revelation 1.17, I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Wow. (laughs) He's the one that holds the keys to death and Hades that is telling you I want a relationship with you. I created you for that. Would you just do me the privilege and honor of stepping into it? I'm the one who holds the keys to your life. I'm the one who holds the keys to your eternity. I'm the one who holds the keys to better relationships with you. I'm the one who holds the keys to the right perspective on how to look at your job and your work and your family and your friends. I'm the one who holds the keys. Would you come to me for that kind of relationship? Would you come to the word? Would you get into my word? Now, I know that. I know that sometimes I can't help myself. I get a little bit excited about this stuff and I get a little bit passionate about it. And you might even be thinking to yourself, well, Cliff, your view of God is not what I expect and not what I want. And and, and can I just suggest this? It's not about what we want. It's about what's true. It's not about what we want, gang. It's about what's true. And there'll be times in life when it's difficult and you find yourself afraid and asking questions like, are you the one? Really? Jesus, are you the one? I just am so thankful that he's not afraid of those questions. And he says, bring them on. Bring them on. Seek me in spirit and in truth, he says, and you'll find out who I am. And then we learn. We learn that Jesus will do things differently than we expect and that that will be okay. And we learn that his way will turn out to be the best way. And there might even be some things that we won't even see that in until we get to eternity. But like John the Baptist got to, I believe we don't have the evidence of that in the scripture because we don't get to hear the end of the story of those disciples coming back to John. But uh, I believe that he came, oh, that's right, that's who he is. He's fulfilling it just like he said he would. Friends, the issue is between you and Jesus. And you need to go to him and his word for the answers. Go to him. That's why John sent his disciples to him. That's why we read about the woman with the issue of blood who just thought to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And she went to him. She found a way to get to him. She didn't care about the crowds. And as a matter of fact, when she got there and touched the hem of his garment and was healed, she ended up having to share in front of everybody. This embarrassing thing that had gone on with her physically, and in the fact that she'd now been healed of it, and she didn't even care about it by then. So she went to him. I want you to get one thing today, one thing go to Jesus for the answers. He's waiting for you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you that you change our perspective and our expectations, that you speak to us in ways that uh, no one else can, that you know us like nobody else does, and that you care for us deeper and more than anybody else can. We're so thankful for that. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as people who've been asking this, as as we think about John asking this question, I'm so thankful, Lord, for your word that would show us the humanity of a man like John who you use so powerfully that even he would have questions and that you would invite him to have those questions and to come to you with them and that you then provided the answer. So Lord, for my friends today, for those of us here in the body, for those listening online, as they come to you seeking answers to questions they have, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to them, that they would hear you, that you would impress upon their mind, that they would open up your word and you would speak to them through it And because of that, their lives would be changed and you would show them a new perspective with new expectations of what you want them to be about, each one of them. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.